0: Our reading tonight is from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 15. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. This is God's word.
1: Uh, evening everyone, if we've not met, uh, my is Matt Fuller, I'm the vicar here, and uh, it'd be lovely to do so afterwards. If you are joining us tonight, it's a slightly uh, unusual month we've got at the moment, so we're thinking topically uh, on this subject of friendship uh, we generally operate a little bit along the uh, principle, I think, that Paul outlines in uh, Acts chapter 20. He says two things I've, I've never hesitated, I don't, I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the full counsel of God. And so most of the time here, we'll work our way through books of the Bible and a variety. So this year, if you're a church regular, you know, we've got halfway through the book of Acts, Jude, 2 Samuel. We'll finish Acts uh, in the autumn. Um, so the full counsel of God. But Paul would also say, I've not hesitated to proclaim what is useful to you. So uh, normally this time of year in the evening, uh, we take something topically, and uh, this year I was encouraged to think about friendship. So that's what we're doing for four weeks. Let me pray, and uh, they will have a little look uh, on this topic. A great God and Father, we thank you and praise you just for the reminder there from um, Ben and that, that spoken word. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an extraordinary friend. And in many ways, the model for friendship. But what a privilege it is that he invites his followers to become friends. He reveals the future. He reveals his will to us. It's an enormous privilege to have him as a friend. And Father, uh, not only our friend, but our Lord. And so now would we hear Him speak, even as we think topically, Father. Shape us by the truths of the scriptures we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, amidst a fairly eclectic music taste, which I think I have, uh, there's always a bit of room for some uh, middle of the road nonsense. And um, uh, so, thinking about the topic of friendship, I've kept having this song going round and round in my head, which some of you will know. It's by the script. And um, the other middle-aged Irish rock bands are available. But, you know, they, they, um, uh, they sing the song, uh, uh, Run Through Walls. Anyone know it? Let me sing it now. No, no. Um, but um, it's good because it's a modern pop song about friendship. It celebrates friendship. Anyway, you may even have the chorus. It's not very complicated. Uh, I've got friends that will run through walls. I've got friends that will fly once called... When there's nowhere left to go, and I need my hero, I've got friends who will run through wars, and uh, round and round it goes. I've got friends who don't text, they call, is the alternative, but anyway, uh, round and round it goes. And in one sense, we thought a little bit about that last week, week one, friends turn up. And you want to be committed to some, and you want some who are committed to you, who turn up. Uh, the little bridge of the song, though, goes a bit like this. It's pretty easy. Friends don't let you do stupid things, oh, friends don't let you do stupid things, oh, friends don't let you do stupid things, alone. Friends don't let you do stupid things, and and on and on it goes. Um, And we're thinking a little bit about that tonight, not because the script sing it. Although actually as a song about friendship, it is genuinely very good, and there aren't many. It's a good celebration of that. But friends speak up, or if I can put it really negatively, Uh, Friends stop you being odd, and they stop you doing stupid things and behaving in odd ways. Uh, So I I enjoyed quite reading. This is one quote I uh, read uh, a couple of weeks ago. Someone who has no friends is like a neglected garden, unkempt and dirty, eccentric, half-mad. Friendships keep people, quite literally, clean and polite, sane, and functional. Well, you sort of get the sense of it. If you don't have any friends, you're like a garden that just gets overgrown. And friendships prune you. Friendships tame you. They stop you being less odd. That's one way of putting it, I guess. Um, Just a reminder, then, we're thinking that over these four weeks, we thought last week, friends turn up. This week, friends speak up. Uh, Next time will be friends give away. They give themselves away. And the last one will be friends forgive. And in one sense, you've got to hold them all together. Uh, Anyone on their own might be a little bit unbalanced, perhaps. Now, we're basing ourselves every week in the book of Proverbs, uh, which in some senses is a bit of a treatise on friendship. There's a lot there uh, in the wisdom literature. Uh, And so you've got an outline on the back of the sheet. It's slightly messy. Because we also want to turn back uh, in the second half to Hebrews chapter 3 to make sure we're thinking about Christian friendship. And so if things go well, it'll be about half uh, in each time. Because you want friends, particularly when you get to Hebrews 3, who point you to Christ and point you away from sin. And you want friends who speak up to help you with that. You want friends who point you to Christ and away from sin. Uh, let's have a go then. Uh, we're looking at it this way. So hopefully in two halves. So we'll look at the proverbial wisdom and then Christian encouragement. Proverbial wisdom, two things. You want to invite counsel and then also pursue honesty. You want both. Let's uh, work through them. First of all, we'll spend half our time in these proverbs. Counsel. That's what you want from your friendships. You want counsel. Chapter 19, verse 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Now, we need friends. We all need friends, and um, we need different types of friendship. We need those confidants, uh, but we also just need uh, acquaintances and people to hang out with and have fun with. We need friends. But if all you desire from your friends is affirmation, Proverbs says you're a fool because you need a little more than that. You need to listen to advice and accept instruction. And in in the end, you'll be wise. I guess the implication is, if you ignore advice and reject instruction, you're a fool. And you'll stay that way. Now, we know we live in a culture uh, where overwhelmingly we're encouraged to be true to yourself. You must be true to yourself, Look inside and find the hero that's there and uh, celebrate whatever you find. And there's some things, some elements of that is, which is true, but all of us are a mixture. And all of us are odd in different ways. We're all someone else's odd, but we're all sinfully distorted in different ways. And you need some who will counsel you, who say, that isn't great, Maybe that needs to change. I mean, it's fairly obvious, we know in all sorts of ways, you can have someone who is uh, a brilliant tennis player, age 11, but if they then never listen to a coach, they'll never get any better. They're a fool. You get Someone at the Royal Academy of Music gets there age 18 and says, "Well, I'm outstanding. I'm an outstanding, whatever it is, a, a flautist, because I've made it to the Royal Academy. But if they never listen to their instructors or get any better, they're a fool. You can have, there may be some here tonight, delightful, 25, 28, 35 year olds, very charming, one or two of us a bit older. You could have, um, del- but if you never take instruction, if you never allow someone to say, I wonder if this needs to change in your life, I, I wonder if what you're doing is wise, then you'll never grow. You'll be a fool. You'll never be the person that the Lord designed you to be. When you're about to do something daft, you want friends to say, before you do that, don't. Don't do stupid things. You need friends to say that to you. Get these two other pictures here. Uh, Chapter Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens uh, another. A picture of the fall from the... um, The blacksmith's forge of the smithy sort of bashing you about a little bit. Sometimes we need some pretty blunt speech, a little bit of rebuking. But all of us also need encouragement. Chapter 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The sort of smells, perfume and incense, as you go, oh, that's lovely. Don't know why it became Welsh then, but anyway, um, that's lovely. Oh, oh yeah. Well, oh, what's that? That's great. Um, that's me. Uh, whatever it is, that's my perfume. Whatever whatever it is, something that just says, oh, that's great. Sometimes advice, which you go, yeah, that's that's so helpful. It is what it gets translated as heartfelt advice. It's literally counsel of the soul. The pleasantness of one's friends springs from their counsel of the soul. Someone who's taken time to listen, to understand your life, and therefore is able, not dismissively, not perfunctory, but accurately give you some wisdom. Quite last week, and you'll get a bit more of him, but C.S. Lewis, uh, he's one who thought hard about friendship, even though he looks like a sort of, you know, stuck-up, you know, middle-class sort of posh Bloke who wouldn't, you know, engage with anyone. He had great friends. He had great, great friends. But uh, a couple of years after he died, his very good friend J.R. Tolkien observed this. Uh, If you didn't know Tolkien on the left, um, Lewis on the right. Tolkien said, the unpayable debt that I owe to him was not influence as it was ordinarily understood, but sheer encouragement. He was for a long time my only audience. Only from him did I ever get the idea that my stuff could be more than a private hobby. But for his interest and unceasing eagerness for more, I should never have brought the L of the R to a conclusion. Well, good job. He had a bit of a mate to encourage him then because um, it's quite a good book and quite a few people like it, The Lord of the Rings. Encouragement. It's so good for us. So at a really prosaic or or, or basic level, can I encourage you, um, tell people what you're grateful for in them, in their friendship. Tell them. I mean, you could really go left field and rogue and write it using a pen. It matters a little bit more. A quill, I don't care. But um, to write it, just tell people. We all need encouragement. Encourage your friends. But look, counsel, you want to um, uh, pursue counsel from others and their pleasant encouragement. But honesty alongside that, honesty, which in some senses is, uh, I wonder if it's uninvited counsel sometimes. Uh, These two. Chapter 27 of the book of Proverbs Famously, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Chapter 15, verse 4. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. The contrast, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So presumably there, the honest tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. That's an extraordinary description if you know your Bible the tree of life in the Garden of Genesis that Adam and Eve never got to eat from because of their sin, but is at the end of the Bible in Genesis chapter 22 doubled in size and uh, with much greater um, fruitfulness and fecundity. It, it, it's that. Honesty is that. It's that important. It is life-giving to receive honesty. Wow. And so w- w- you and I, we want people, we want to give permission to people to deliver honesty, and we want to be those brave enough to give it. Now, you can't do it with everyone. I think over the years, I've had plenty of wounds from people who are not my friends and uh, didn't intend to help me. And thank you very much. Uh, Not to you, but but, um, for those who gave them but i can also i think i would say i can remember vividly certain conversations where a friend was kind enough to wound me gently so what's always at the risk of embarrassment i can think of some here <laughs> I think of Hugh Gittins telling me off after an elders' meeting for being too angry. I think of Mike McGann telling me off for not offering forgiveness to someone. I think of Mark Doring telling me off for not listening to advice. I think of Phil Alcock telling me off for just being a bit too abrupt in a conversation. And they were right. And they made me better. And I'm very thankful that they wounded me but did so gently so I could take it. You need those. Sometimes you need friends who tell you that you've got something wrong. People who tell you, actually, you need to change that. And you need someone in your life who love you enough to risk the friendship. Because sometimes you have a conversation which is a gulp and you risk to tell someone. I I think there's an issue here. Again, I think of one or two. And forgive me, I I always think of my own examples in this. Of course I do. I don't want to project them onto you, but um, I've only got my own, really, Uh, in in this regard. I think of years ago, you know, I've told this story before, but uh, one friend, Tim, saying, Matt, do do you mind if I make an observation upon your marriage? What do you say when someone says that to you? (laughs) Gulp. Uh, Go on then. And he made an observation uh, he said, like, it doesn't matter what it is. But um, yeah, he was right. It was pretty transformative at the time for married life. But do you, do you mind? I Even mean, he was a bit of a you know, gulp. You do gulp sometimes. Or, um, again, forgive me for, it becomes a bit personal, forgive me for that. But. Um, uh, some who've been around a, a little while would know, back in 2001, I completely hit the wall and uh, needed to take some time off. The, uh, the presenting factor, or the, what, what, climactically, that came to uh, one of the elders here. We went for a walk around the park, as you're allowed to do in whatever it was, April 21. And um, he said, not quite as bluntly as this, but essentially, uh, you're about to burn out. If you don't stop and take time off, I'm resigning. And i was telling everyone else to do the same. Well, that's a bit... I mean, it wasn't quite as blunt as that. It was a bit more, look, if you don't listen to my advice, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know what the others are doing. I don't know what you think you're doing. Um, but it was essentially, do you not... You are not thinking clearly. You, you know, You need to make a decision now. You need to stop. And I'm going to gulp and... Don't know how you're going to respond to me in this one. You could be very angry. Now you could say, well, was a bit overbearing of him. It's a bit manipulative. You know, take some time off or I'll resign. Or you could say, it was profoundly kind. And saved me an enormous, and my family an enormous amount of pain, I think. Probably. But I know he just took a big old gulp before saying it. It's not always straight, easy, straightforward to deliver honesty. So look, counsel, you want to pursue counsel from others. Honesty, y- you want to invite it. You want to kindly, gently give it. You can't do it to all, but you can, you must do to some. So there's some proverbial wisdom on uh, speaking up. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3, and if you let it close, uh, please do uh, open that up again. Uh, let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and um, verses 7 to 15, which uh, a good chunk of it, uh, verses 7 down to 11, it's a quote from Psalm 95: Do not harden your hearts. When the Lord speaks. Now, the context is even in Psalm 95, the writer of Psalm 95 is referring back to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus. uh, God has brought his people out of Egypt. He's parted the Red Sea. Extraordinary miracle. They've walked through, the waters have closed, and they're safe. They've been delivered from uh, the superpower of the day. They've been delivered from slavery in Egypt. And three days after the miraculous passing through the Red Sea, the people grumble and say, We're very thirsty. Does God not care? is God not going to provide? Now, you might, say, as a reader, you might look upon that and say, you're complaining that God isn't giving you water. Do you remember? He's quite good with water. Like, water is like one of his good things. You know, you're like, woo, do you remember? Anyway, they complain and they grumble. And that pattern goes on and on recurrently in the book of Exodus into the book of Numbers until eventually Numbers um, chapter 16, the, the Lord says, enough, enough, enough. Ten, sorry, Numbers 14, ten times the Israelites have refused to listen to my voice. None of them will enter the promised land. They'll die in the wilderness. Years later, the writer of Psalm 95 is saying, don't be like that. There is a promised land in the future, heaven, the new creation. And if you want to get there, keep trusting the promises of God. Keep listening to the word of God. Do not harden your hearts against the Word of God. Don't do that. You've got to keep believing it, is Psalm 95. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, present tense, the Holy Spirit says, don't harden your hearts against the Word of God. Don't stop believing that God will fulfill His promises. Now, how does that pertain to the issue of friendship and Christian friendship? Friendship. Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 3, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, sort it out do this, okay? Can you make sure this happens? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Okay, what's the alternative to a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God? Well, obviously, it's one that believes. And how do you get that? You get that by encouraging one another. Do you see that? Verse 13. If you encourage one another daily, you won't have a sinful, unbelieving heart the way to keep trusting the promises of God to get you to heaven if you're a Christian is to receive the encouragement of brothers and sisters and to give it to your brothers and sisters. That's how you make it, Hebrews 3. It's not the only factor, of course, biblically. The Lord keeps you. But Hebrews 3, essential, fundamental to how the Lord will keep you For your brothers and your sisters. So the risk of stating some obvious, uh, you need others and others need you. You need others. You will not get to heaven on your own. You need Christian friends who will encourage you, comfort you, shout at you when you're doing something stupid, pursue you if you start to walk away. You need friends to do that. You need Christians in your life that will do that. So the question is, who, who does that? Who have you given permission to You don't have to, "Dear Jane, I'm just texting you tonight to give you permission to no, no, no. but you've got to know. who would do that for you? If you've just moved to London fairly recently, invest. You've got to join in, get in a small group, pursue. One or two others. I do fear that uh, some do the foolish thing of pretty irregular attendance at church. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah like, where do you go to church? Oh, I belong to CCM. And, uh, I, 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 oh, do you? You belong here? Oh, I, I don't really recognize you. Oh, I'm here most weeks. What do you think most means if you went back through your diary? Oh, sort of one in four? Ah. Yeah, no, there's probably a problem there, I think. Remember, we thought, let me, we may have it up again. I don't know if we've still got the target from uh, from last time. Have we got the target, Anna? There we go. You know, this sort of, re- it's just, just some realism on friendships. You, confidants who know everything about you is a small number, a gang of close friends, companions, a large number, acquaintances. They're all good. They're all good. You need all of them, right? Acquaintances are a lot of fun. Uh, but you, you need all of those things. But if you say you've recently moved to London and you say, oh, but those who know me best are in Texas or New York or... Devon or Sydney or Yorkshire, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. Um, those who know me best, those who, are my, who, I, who know me intimately, sure. And you've got to, you can keep up with a few all your life. Not many, but you can keep up with a few all your life. But still, where you're living now, you need some you want to bring in. Oh, I've got lots of companions at church. I know lots of people. Here, some you want to bring in, be a little more deliberate. They may not be one of your confidants for life. Of course not. But you need them as close enough friends that they can speak truth into your life. It takes time to be realistic on that. The... um, as a brief tangent the, when you give a talk, this is tangent, the problem when you give a talk—this is tangent. The problem when you give it, when you think about friendships, and we're spending a month thinking about friendships. Two things normally come up when you think about friendships. One, oh, I'm not actually a very good friend. No, like Ben Moon can say, most of us are not. But it's all right. We'll think about forgiveness in weeks to come. All of us fall short of being the friends we'd like to be. The other problem we often think is, oh. Well, that's a nice picture of friendship. I'm not sure I've got friends like that. No, they do take time. You do have to invest. If I could just be dad for a moment or two. I have much better friends now than I had 30 years ago. 20 years ago. Because lots of time. But, you know, people are, can be a little bit thicker when they're younger. And you get a bit older. And you, you've, you've worked out there are certain people you trust. You know. There aren't, you know, getting older, it ain't all that, to be honest. There are some downsides. There are some upsides, right? Look forward to that. Friends are much better if you invest because you've just got longer time with them. It takes time to grow a really, really big friendship. Big friendship? Good friendship. Anyway, tangent over. But you can't, you know, if you've only recently arrived at church, you, you want to give permission to some to speak truth into your life and say, oh, I I wonder if we can do that. Often it starts with a prayer triplet, that sort of thing. Over time, those can become very deep. Your closest friends, I think of one friend, just, you know, I've probably known the longest. I meet up with him and he'll just say, brother, confess your sins to me. Um, And I will, I will. I'll just tell him everything. Because there's just longevity there, there's trust. I just know you no know, what, what I've done, he's not going to beat me up. He's going to, you know, rebuke me perhaps, but tell me off perhaps, but he'll cry with me and pray with me. But that takes time, right? But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere on this. We, you need others. And then, secondly, the other half of that is others need you. We do have, according to Hebrews 3, some responsibility for the hearts of others. You need to look out for other people. And so, if you're completely irregular in attendance midweek or Sundays, well, if you're completely irregular, forgive me. Don't you care about other people? Don't you care about your brothers and sisters here? Because we need one another, we're told. And the particular reason why you need others and others need you in Hebrews 3 is that sin is deceptive. It's very striking. Verse 13, encourage one another daily as long as it's called cool today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Y- you do know that, don't you? <laughs> sin lies. That's why you need friends who point you to Christ and away from sin because sin lies. Have you ever been with someone who's... Um, for me, this is slightly strong, but he's tripping out on drugs. It's been a long time for me, I think. You know, I used to be a school teacher. A couple of occasions, kids took a bad concoction of drugs. And it's pretty weird when someone's in front of you and they're tripping out going, Ah, get those creatures away from me. And you think, it's just a hotel bedroom. You know, there's no, you know what are you doing? There's nothing... You know, he and his mates are you know, they're there with his mates trying to calm him down. Ah! It's a different story. You know, most tragically, when I was a school teacher, one kid took far too much. Well, taking any is too much, but took a load of LSD and thought he had wings and jumped off the top of County Hall, declaring to his friends he was going to fly to the bottom of the ground. obviously, he died. Sin is deceitful, sin lies. Sin is a bad trip. And sometimes when someone is tripping on drugs, you just hold them down, you speak gently, and you hang in there until they come to their senses. And sometimes when someone is deceived by sin, you just speak gently but clearly, and you hang in there until they've calmed down, until they see actually... I need Jesus, I need to look at Jesus, and this sin is a lie. But sometimes the only way that'll happen is if someone is there to speak that truth to you. It's a very striking one, Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 9. What we need is heartfelt advice or counsel of the soul. In uh, the Old Testament, the, the, the phrase only comes up three times. Uh, uh, other than this. And uh, two of them are in reference to the friendship of Jonathan and David. They were one of soul. <laughs> and uh, you see the best expression of it. this, I think, in, um, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 23, if you recall it uh, from last year when we looked at this. David is on the run, from Saul. Saul, the king, is trying to kill him. Saul's son is Jonathan, but his best mate is David. David's on the run. He's fleeing for his life. And we're told in 1 Samuel 23, Jonathan went to find David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. That is a biblical friendship. Jonathan went to him, pursued him, found him, and helped him find strength in God. Brother, what I need to do is be here and say to you, put your hope in God. Well, I've always enjoyed, and you've heard this before, but the quote of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in this regard. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. Don't say what he's saying. Sometimes the Christ inside, the Christ you know, the Christ you've learned, it's weaker inside than when you hear the words of a brother or a sister declare truth to you. You can know the truth in your head, but you need someone to speak it to you, and that is far more effective. You need someone to help you find strength in the Lord, like Jonathan did to David. And again, forgive me, this is my last one, but if you'll allow me, as perhaps the Apostle Paul would say, to speak madly for a moment. I've been a Christian minister for over 20 years. I suppose I've... This is all bonkers, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. But published half a dozen books. I guess I'm meant to know some stuff about the Christian life. Probably. I need a... Others to speak the truth of God to me? Of course I do. And you need others to speak the truth of Christ to you. We all need that. Sometimes it's intense and it's a moment of crisis and we desperately need it. Again, back in February, no, uh, Easter uh, 2021, he was one of the church wardens at the time different person, but I went for a walk with them. And I said, as some of you will know who are here, um, I'm in a terrible way. I I can't imagine recovering energy and carrying on as as the minister at CCM. I I can't imagine that. I think I'm going to need to resign. And within his own temperament, he said, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Because uh, at the moment you're depressed and absolutely exhausted, and both your parents have just died, and we're at the end of COVID. And so making a really big decision, yeah, you do that. That's a really good idea. If I said that to you, what would your advice to me be? I think it would be, don't be an idiot. Can I say to you, don't be an idiot? Can you just go away? Just go away and read your Bible and pray and sit in the sun if it comes out. And how about once a month, we go for a walk, and I just check you're not being odd. How about that? And it was with his own temperament, but again, that's what I needed. Now, it didn't have to be crisis moments, okay? That's when we acutely need someone to speak the word of Christ to us because we can't see which way is up. But you don't have to wait for the crisis moments. Remember we thought last time, have as your closest friends those who have Christ as their closest friend. That's what, you want. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Give permissions to some in your life to wound you. Invite that. Kindly be that to someone else. Be about offering biblical encouragement to keep trusting the promises of God. And as we finish, can I say don't wait for, again, a crisis. Hopefully, it's what we're about all the time. Encourage one another. Jesus is good. <laughs> Sin is deceptive. Even tonight, why don't you ask someone, what are you most enjoying about Jesus at the moment? And they're sort of, it's fine. It's fine. Don't everyone have a great answer at the top of their fingertips. At their fingertips but ask and offer and encourage one another as long as it's today, which I think is every day. Keep looking at Christ. Keep trusting the promises of God to take you to heaven. Sin is deceptive. We need some who are honest to deliver that truth. When we need rebuking, correcting, when we need just a little encouragement We all need to have people. We need to be people who give that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again that in the Lord Jesus we have a friend who never deserts us, but we can wander. Father, would we be those who spur one another on, who are able to offer honest, gentle wounds to some, who are willing to receive those from some, in order that we may keep looking to Christ? Would we not be arrogant fools who think we need no instruction, whether we be 30, 40, 50, 80, we need others to instruct us, to rebuke us, to offer pleasant counsel of the soul. So Father, as a church, would we be about building these sort of relationships which keep us looking to Christ and away from sin, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.